This is episode 345 of the Gold Squadron Podcast, and one of your hosts, Will, don't let your gloom evolve into a vile plume. Heckwood, and tonight I'm joined by Marcel. There's no place like home, Manzano. You, um, so I've played X-Wing in many, many places, and there's no place like home. We also have Ryan, last stretch before World Staniszewski. Basically, after the month of January, which is done in two or three days, uh, we have no more official events to input to get people invites, so then it's just grind, grind out those reps and games and practice up to Worlds. Yes, indeed. And also, James... Back from the dead, Ritter. Uh, mostly back from the dead. Still a little bit of a sore throat, but uh, I'm alive. Well, glad to hear it. I do want to, of course, start every podcast by thanking our largest group of supporters, our GSB Patreons. You get cool stuff for helping us get uh, to these awesome tournaments and do the things we do Um uh, you can, there's special channels on Discord. There's shareable art from our past projects. There's levels for every person. All you gotta do is check out patreon.com slash gold squadron. All right, so headlines here. Warning before we start our faction breakdown tonight. Uh, the AMG World's invitees. You, we're, we're pretty much done. There shouldn't be any events happening like now or Monday or whatever. So if you did a world qualifying event like a store championship, you need to make sure that you're registered for that world's one day. Uh, if you can't sign up, if you can't go to adepticon.org uh, and sign up for the world's main event day one, you need to double check not only did the store send an email as appropriately. And if they have, uh, you can... Uh, still message. If, let's double. I'll say that again. Double check Adepticon.org and the store that they sent it out as well. And if neither one of those things are true, then email op at atomicmassgames.com. Please do it quickly because there's not much time left. You got to be yeah. uh, registered soon. OP at atomicmassgames.com. But again, as Will said, check all parties that would be involved in communicating that and submitting that Google form. The TO or EO who ran your event, the event itself or the store itself. Check your emails, all levels of them for this email that went out to everyone today. And if you don't see the ability to do Adepticon and be able to sign up for World's Day 1 main event and you expect it to, and you vet everything, op at, as, op at atomicmassgames.com. Please don't spam them. Make sure you vet everything as possible first. Yeah, one clear email. Uh, I know they're still working through it. A lot of people haven't uh, been able to do that yet. But definitely check on that if you are registering for the main event at Worlds. Uh, it's, it's coming so soon. Where? We've been talking about it forever, and here uh, it's uh, just coming over the horizons. We closed out the last 
uh, World Open Qualifier, the Australian one, over the weekend. Uh, and many store championships getting in underneath that deadline as well. So a very exciting time for X-Wing. But we wanted to... How did you do? Oh, oh okay. Let's, let's, let's yeah. do some real talk here. Uh, yeah. So I went to a store championship. I had a great time out in Medford, uh, Wisconsin. I drew my first game. I uh, got pretty lucky, I would say, between like Road and Kylo's Torps. Uh, I was flying Doug's list as a note because I can't find. Uh, my X Wing stuff is a mess right now, so I just flew Doug's list because I already had my first order kind of set out um, from before I was running Empire. Anyway, so first round tie, very close game against some Rebel Alpha, and then. Uh, second game, Road and like Kylo's Torps were just in my favor all game, and uh, got got a uh, clear victory against another FO. Uh, then third round, I tied as well. Uh, this coordinating Poe coordinated Elo out of a block or like a. Like, over a ship, if that makes sense. He blocked a ship and then coordinated boosted over it. And my Kylo uh, was jammed from BB-8. <laughs> Had a damaged engine from BB-8. Uh, Kylo was having troubles with this BB-8. And, uh, of course, variable timing. So I didn't know how much time was left on the in the round. So I couldn't, I couldn't barrel roll in behind a rock to kind of hide myself. So I was a little bit exposed out in the open. Assuming that we might have another round or so. So he does this awesome thing where he coordinates with his Poe. Elo and Kylo destroy each other. And I tie that game as well. So at 1-2-0. And like, um, uh, like in the very bottom of the bracket. And then my last game. A uh, very good player, Aaron. Out of Wisconsin. He, he has... Uh, the seven or six ship beef, two Y wings, three arcs, and uh, a Z, and we're playing assault. So, kind of threw my hands up in the air and said, "I'll try my best." Uh, <laughs> but it was it was unlikely for me to get into the the. We were doing um, top four cut afterwards, um, just because we had we had over sixteen players, which was very exciting. A lot of the Minnesota, Wisconsin, and even a lot of Illinois players made it out. So, I had a great time. Uh, new players were there trying out uh, list, uh, but the competition was very high. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I had an exciting time. Marcel, you also ran a store championship this weekend. How'd that go? Uh, good, good. Yeah, we, would, uh, we put it together in two weeks. Basically, we had a store nearby that um that had a store kit that wasn't able to do it because um other games already had the weekends reserved at their spot so i offered uh our place here and we were able to get all 16 people uh signed up in two weeks uh they showed up um and uh dan mcginn who's who's run like the grog darn games before he, he had all the magic for 
doing like the roll better stuff and people brought in like folding tables and then the store that you know host that we hosted it for gave us all their like table boards or whatever like the table toppers yeah yeah the table toppers so that the you know there's enough space uh great event great event uh four rounds uh alex Foles won it and uh, alex's uh local 312 uh he, he's part of um the you know the the 312 group from Nick Sperry's side. And uh, I think he said it was his first, even like any tournament ever won. So, so super excited for him. You know, so he's got an invite. Well, hopefully he's got an invite. The store has to submit it today, so hopefully they did. <laughs> um, uh, if not, he's got a cool little uh, useless paper that says he's got an invite. <laughs> if they didn't submit it on time. I think they could still submit it tomorrow or something like that, right? They have um, until like the, the 30th or 31st. Yeah. Yeah. But sooner, um, sooner than later, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it, no, it was it was a really good time. Uh, uh, like I said, we had uh, 16 people show up, and then we had like an extra 10 or 12 people that to show up for like non X-wing board games. That we just made a day out of it, so it was it was a good time. William was one of the 16 people that. Uh, well, he opened the door for one of them because he had a spot, but he decided to go to Wisconsin. See, if he well, would have came here, maybe well, he might have. Turns out, maybe you could make these plans for, in in the more than two weeks ahead of time. Oh, that was kind of like an emergency thing. Like, hey, we got this thing, and there's a deadline. <laughs> no, I get it. it sounded it sounded real space. fun. Yeah, but yeah, it was a good time. Oh, I did want to shout out uh, the eventual winner, Tony. Did pull it off with a sensitive, controlled soon tier. Isn't that crazy? I almost put sensitive controls on my Kylo. I wish I would have. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, he he did res resistance beef, so mm. he won with like a bunch of T seventies. Okay. No a wings. That's not BV. Oh, he had Lulo. He did have Lulo. Okay. So, Lulo yeah. beef. Cool. That's that's that filet mignon out on that yeah, beef, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so we were talking a lot about how what we should do leading up to worlds and uh, what we want. We want to split it into factions. So uh, this week uh, we're going to start with Republic, and then what did we say? First Order and Resistance in the following weeks. Let us know if, uh, uh, what inputs you have on our Discord, of course, for those other factions. Uh, maybe something we should cover for them. But this week we're covering Republic. And then, like I said, we'll go First Order Resistance. And then I think that's when Battle of Yavin is coming out. Endor. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Battle Endor. Over. Battle we're, over. we're saving Empire and Rebel till after that comes out. Yes. Maybe if we get any more of those wrink wrinkles from from Endor, can adjust our topics of discussion mm. for Rebel and Empire. Yeah, because we'll have some like points on their street dates and everything. So I'll be looking forward uh, to that. But not until uh, after that's released. In the meantime, we're going to cover the those factions not included in that expansion. And 
I'm trying to work with Wade Pouchet to lock down a date when he could come on, talk about Aerodome. That's another great game that's going to be at Adepticon. He's holding tournaments. Uh, he's got a whole plan uh, for his organized play. If you don't know about Aerodome, it's a dogfighting game, uh, but it's very it's one-on-one. -on -one. Your ship, your single ship versus their single ship. So uh, similar to X-Wing, but very, very much different. Got its own vibe going on, uh, but uh, it, it's a amazing game. Uh, I want to do like an unboxing video as well, as I want to pick apart. I have it around here somewhere, but I'm very excited. Oh, the artwork on it looks so cool. So we'll be talking a little bit about that just to uh, get some other ideas of what we could be doing at Adepticon other than just X-Wing. But anyways, this week, uh, we're going to start with Republic, the clone and Jedi boogeyman out there. Uh, Ryan, you've broken it down by the numbers, so I'll let you start us off here uh, about the Republic faction. Yeah, and kind of put this overall into context, when we're going over each faction, this is things you should expect to prep for. This is not generally... When we talk, when we're going to be talking about these factions and their archetypes, it's not going to be what you should be playing in them or what someone should be doing with them. This is you're across the table from them. This is prep you're doing, expecting to play against them. Things that you uh, should be aware of, things that you should expect or not expect, things to do in certain scenarios, turn zero, obstacles, everything that we can think of. That translates well into an audio format with some maybe visual aids that we tag and add into the description. So think of all this as you're sitting across the table from a prospective Republic player at Worlds, which you're likely going to see. So with that in mind, the first thing we can kind of go over is like, by the numbers, what is the faction doing right now? Not as performance, but like overall, Republic is taking up from the points update, about 13.3% of the meta. So in in context, that is the fourth most popular faction right now. Rebels, Empire, and Resistance ahead of them. Um, the most commonly brought list in all of Republic since the points update back in May or June is the Trip Arcs Padme Anakin. But that still only makes up, out of all the lists in the game, only 2.28% of the entire meta, right? So what does that mean? If you go to Worlds, right, and you face a Republic list, technically it's more likely you're going to face a Trip Arc Padme Anakin. But that percentage is so small because... There's a lot of different Republic archetypes people are trying, both since the last points update and within the last three months. A lot of these data points are provided by Pattern Analyzer um, in their Insights page and Compositions page, which were recently revamped. Great stuff. And uh, the numbers only slightly shift downward in both Republic overall and the Triparch Padme Anakin overall, how much they're being taken in the overall meta. So in a, it, the nice thing is with a 10-round Swiss at Worlds, these numbers are really easy to break down. So in 10 rounds, 
based on Republic overall being anywhere from like high 12% to low 13% of the meta, you're going to play against one to two Republic lists in the entire day. That's what you should generally expect. And it could, because the most popular lists or archetype is such a small percentage, and there's so many variations being tried right now, both in six ship, in five ship, in even four ship, um, that it it could be anything that you're seeing across the table from you. So just know that at Worlds, you're probably going to face one or two Republic lists, and it could be a variety of things. But there are things that they have in common, and we'll go over that. Maybe, James, if you want to start with the list of most common Republic archetypes overall, and what are the common points between them? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I think the main uh, Republic archetypes that we've seen have definitely been the Triple Arc Padme and Siege Coruscant Anakin um, that was popularized by... Uh, was it was that Paul Heaper? Um, yeah, he was the first, Texas. and then uh, Tyler. So he won Texas, and then Tyler won right. Gen Con with it. Right. So I, I think this was coming out of uh, like Big Han meta. Uh, this came out and was supposed to be the Silver Bullet, but uh, it wasn't really. It was just uh, you know a, a list that did okay against it uh, and won some events and uh, really caught the eye of a lot of players that were looking for where to land. Uh, on Republic. Uh, so we've definitely seen a ton of the, the Triple Arc, Padme, Siege, Course, and Anakin. So that's uh, Jag, Wolf, and Oddball. And Padme has those torpedoes and the Siege, Coruscant standard loadout Anakin. Uh, so you'll definitely see that uh, at the event, whether you'll see it in your games. Like, like Ryan said, it may be, uh, you may not see it, but this is definitely something you need, you need to know about because Padme can really ruin your day if you don't know what she does. So at least read her card uh, once or twice, ask her questions. Well, how does this uh, ship work? And uh, take a look at a couple of different ways that you can avoid it. Mainly, just don't be in front of her. Uh, we also have uh, Anakin 7B uh, 2-arc contrail and booster slider in that in that two point z uh which is uh less of an archetype that we've seen but it is still a strong one uh 7b anakin out there is a, a strong piece and uh at least two arcs is a good start to a list we've seen uh, a couple of different republic six ships uh, the triple arc version usually brings uh, those two three-point ships. I think Will was talking about earlier. Uh, some people reach for the two Y-wings or the two uh, V-wings or a mix of both. And then a two-point Z. Another one, uh, instead of the three arcs, you take two arcs with four three-point ships. So uh, you'll either see the triple four-point ships, three, three, two or you'll see two four-point ships and four threes. So those are the main six uh, or, or public uh, archetypes you'll see. Uh, there's also, uh, that I've seen floating around, is the uh, two Jedi and two arc list. Uh, but as you can probably ascertain from uh, just going over the couple of the different uh, archetypes that you may see, almost all of them are going to 
have, or all of them really, are going to have at least two ARC 170s, and most of them will have three. So, uh, you know, keep keep that in mind that you will see medium bases with those ARC 170s that do shoot front back with their veteran tail gunners. So uh, they do have more shots uh, if they can get into the thick of it. Uh, so you have to use the tools available to you to try to avoid those double, those front back shots and to uh, either out joust it or out dodge it. I'd say that, yeah, it's good overall um, summarization of it. And yeah, so the commonality is arcs, at least two. Very rare do we not see at two. Like, there's some list with one. Marcel, you are someone I think that's played with a single arc in your list before? Yeah. Okay, what yeah, has been your experience ball. with that? Did you like it? Did you think it's something that has legs? Is it is it two arcs or nothing? No, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I, I won a store champ with it, and I made a cut at Gen Con with it, so it's it could be successful. Um, I was flying 7B Anakin, Oddball. Um, I had Rick, and then Click and Slider. Um, Rick is situational, so I, I found that when I played Wolf, like uh, at at um at LVO I swapped out Rick for Wolf so I went the two arc route. Not contrail though, I always like click because um I always want to be able to do that, you know, deny that range bonus. But um with Wolf I found the offense to be a the off I found the strategy, not the offense. I found the strategy to be a little bit more predictable, but also I found that the my opponent also had it made me more predictable like i i, I had a more you know with, with rick or even if i were to swap you know rick out and do like padme or do uh um you know a, a, a jedi or something else in that spot or even anything else a, a jedi maybe obi-wan or whatever that having those other ships, one, any of those other ships give, gave me a little bit of unpredictability on the board where um, the opponent didn't quite know what I was going to do. But when I had the two arcs on there, the opponent was better prepared for it. They kind of knew what I was, I was, I was, you know, they had an idea of what to go for. Uh, and I had a better idea of like what my, you know, how much value I was going to get out of that four pointer. Like, I knew he was going to put out damage. I knew he was going to soak up damage. I knew he was going going to hit certain objectives. Like, there was a level of predictability. Ultimately, uh, if I stay on this list, I will move away from the double arc because I think um, if you're not going with the triple arc or if you're not going with, like, the um, six-ship list, then you have to add a level of... Um, unpredictability to make up for the damage output that you're not putting out because you're 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 giving up damage output you're giving out numbers uh you're giving out mods so you have to add a tactical advantage of like you don't know if i'm going to be over here you don't know if i'm going to be over there 
you guys know I've been testing Sicko out lately. I'm, I think I think I said I'm six and zero or seven and zero with Sicko on a list because it adds that even though it's five points, it adds that level of unpredictability because the three banks can I can be here, I can stop, I can go one forward, or I can go three banks either direction, and um, it makes it really difficult to. It, it puts the the pressure on the opponent to um, commit one way or the other, and that it's it's not like I, I feel like the double arc the, the the double arc and the triple arc a lot give your even though they you know you're getting a ton of offense you're getting a ton of mods we haven't talked about token sharing for the two agility you know for the V19s or you know for the Diamond, Boron, Missile Guy, Kickback, Tucker, uh, Contrail on them, getting focuses and stuff like that. Like, there's more than, you know, the token sharing. There's a, there's a lot of gimmicks to it, but at least you have a level of predictability. Like, you know what you're getting into. So you know whether you should joust or not. You know if you try to go around, you know. Well, I, I you should know. I guess that's what we're talking about today is, like, um, how to prepare for those, but. Uh, I think that's going more into like what I take to counter versus what uh, you're likely to see. I don't think you're likely to see, to your point, Ryan and James, I don't think you're likely to see a lot of people taking less than two arcs. Yep. Because yeah, of the Mar balance. Marcel, you'll, you'll be the, uh, the less than 1% in worlds in that group, most likely, if you stick with what you got. Yeah, like I said, I go for a tactical and, and positioning advantage over just objectively more efficient. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of objectives, so I think this is where we want to move into, like, breaking down how Republic and some of these common lists in Republic that we're seeing, what they do in Assault, Chance, Salvage, and Scramble, and what gives them advantages in those scenarios, and what gives them disadvantages. And sometimes it's situational. So, I figured each of us probably can take one of these since there's four of us i'll start as an example for assault um so an advantage they have obviously for assault when the satellites are close together to allow the arcs to control that area with the space they take up both medium base size and to contest those assault satellites really well they are each uh, arc is two uh for contesting an assault satellite um you don't want you want to try your best to not clump if you're facing them clump a whole bunch of them all in the same area because not only will they rack up more points by existing there, take up more space, but they'll also find it easier to because I mean there's a if there's a tight clump of objectives, you also need to contest that in some capacity. So by you going there and the arcs wanting to go there, you're going to find each other and they're going to shoot you and it's gonna hurt because you know very effective mod modded shots with all the arc sharing and token sharing for defense when necessary. And then when the scrum happens, they're just, their their arcs are masters of the scrum. They take up their space and you have to bump into them and range zero shots aren't as good as modded shots in arcs. So, but what can you do to combat that? How can you make disadvantages? Well, when the satellites are far apart, it's obvious, right? If you, if you can uh, put your, objective satellites that you get to put down in spots farther away it reduces how much of an area the arcs can control and score more and more points 
um, and then taking out their main damage dealers, being the arc, which are the Arc 170s. Um, so that, and, and, you know, making them not exist there means they don't get to contest those points, so they're high-priority targets. Um, when the satellites are far apart, the more common Republic ships don't, can't easily go contest and, and reach you out there to get them. Uh, it gets a situation where only really like SOC Anakin, 7B Anakin, and Contrail are good at like jumping out to far distances and help contest those, but that means they're not in the middle of the fight to help the arcs burn down or stay or help the arcs burn things down and help help them stay alive uh longer to contest the main sections. So that's uh, anything else you guys want to add to assault? Or advantage or disadvantages that you can create advantages that they have and any disadvantages you can help create to win the game against Republic in Assault. You probably mentioned it. Uh, I lost audio for a while. But um if when I'm playing against them is I try to keep one satellite really close to me and then throw the other satellite in the most in in the most distant direction just because um uh, generally, especially if you're playing against a five ship version, generally they want to stay at some type of proximity to each other. Um, and if you can isolate them and you can make them chase different objectives, then it makes it a little bit easier for you to um, pick a target and try to nuke it. And what you're saying by close to you is closer to your deployment zone, and then you throw yeah, them like, far like off away from everything as possible. Yeah, like I'll hang back one of my cheapest ships to just do little circles and by the board edge where where I'm playing. Uh, Will, do you want to take chance? Sure. Uh, so, uh, with chance, uh, very similar to assault, that they are going to want to control the middle of the board. Get those arcs in there start shooting front to back and it's a little bit trickier because you also only have one place to be uh, and they know where you have to be to to meet that objective requirement uh so uh that you you know they're gonna be there they're gonna crash through uh in their deployment in their setups uh into the middle be there not always Turn two, but definitely they'll have like one, maybe two ships in there on turn two, hang back a little bit, but definitely by turn three, they're going to be wanting to uh, put as many of those arcs in the center to almost push you out. So you have no room to even score into the center. Now range two is very big, but uh, that's where you can uh, look at things, uh, like rock placements and your own deployments. Uh, so big advantage there, because that's that's where they want to be anyways, in chance engagement. Uh, they want to be in the center of the board. So it's just suggesting uh, that they do the thing they want to do anyways. Now, as far as their disadvantages, though, is that they are still slow-moving ships. So once they make that initial pass through the center, uh, it could be difficult for them to... Uh, pick off uh, some of your more squirrelier ships. Plus, also, with their one agility, uh, even if they have all these tokens and stuff, 
they still are very susceptible to losing half points. Uh, even if it's just two points around uh, then the center, that can still add up over time if they're not trading uh, particularly well. And I think, I'm trying to think of what was the, with the other archetypes, uh, I, I honestly, I think the hardest one for this is going to be the ship, six ship with those torrents. They can particularly keep that half point threshold very high uh, because of that damage mitigation. Some of the other ones, not so much. Uh, the, the more jousty list will just try to uh, pick you apart as you come into the center as well. But I would say uh, that is their weakness to it is those half points, which is a great relief for playing against it, that you don't have to necessarily destroy every single arc. You just need to keep up the points pace with them. If they destroy a three-point ship, you got to make sure you get half points on an arc and then maybe a, a Z95 or something at the same time. So that could be uh, a way to kind of slow their pace of the game as far as like how many points they're getting from you. I think in particular, I was going to say it with Assault as well, but in, in particular with Chance, you have to come from every single angle. Do not frontline joust these guys uh, in Chance. Uh, you will not win. <laughs> you have to come in at different angles, make them choose to either keep going through the middle or start splitting off. And once they start splitting off, that damage potential really decreases for them. They're not passing as many locks. They're shooting a lot more rear arc attacks. So you have to, unfortunately, sometimes you have to just have a single ship in the center. Uh, and, well, maybe, maybe two. Because if that single ship is destroyed, you could be giving up a lot of points. But my, my main thing is that you can't, you can't fight them for the center. You can't just, like, cram all of your ships into the center because they are definitely going to have all of their arcs in the same place. So I have to be a little bit more cagey about how you engage them, like I said. Really come at different angles. Really try to force them to where they're, they don't have just an easy pass right through the middle. They have to break an arc off or two to try to pursue your other more elusive targets did want to add because you brought it up was um because everything is generally slower in some of these beyond your contrails or clicks and anakin mm -hmm. versions that we normally see because everything is generally slow or not as maneuverable um as ship starts getting removed from the board <clears throat> and say a trip arc plus stuff list makes its pass right it's general joust pass it goes through it doesn't have really optimal ways to converge on a target um, or stay in the range two. It's common that, you know, if an arc goes to 4K and then some, or a couple of them go to 4K and like there's a torrent or two or an arc that's almost dead, a torrent that's half, like it's got to be careful what stays in the middle, like you said for the Republic list as the other stuff is trying to reassign, re, uh, assess where to point its guns outside of that range two zone. Mm -hmm. Unless they start doing like two turn or three turn barrel rolls just to stay in there. So if you can force them to 
take a path that forces them to leave or chase you outside of the zone and pick off stuff still in the zone, they're not as maneuverable to weave their way back in and out depending on the rock formations. Right. It's something that's uh, similar in Assault as well. But you, you have to be on the lookout for these arcs, uh, especially like Jag, uh, the lower initiative one, bumping your ships on purpose just to stay in uh, a in the center of the board in a in an advantageous spot. Uh, Oddball is just going to crash into you. He don't he don't care. But uh, the like none of the arcs need to fully complete their maneuvers. They just need to bump into enemies, get that focus. And if it's advantageous to basically stay where they are, whether it's objective point or delaying that K turn, that turnaround one more round, they they sh should and will do that. Uh, so it's another reason why uh, you really can't just have your a clump of your ships in the center of the board because uh, they they can take advantage of that. And now. You, you have nowhere to go. There's only arcs in front of you. So you're stuck in the middle now too. Uh, which is probably not going to be as advantageous to your list. Uh, but let's keep moving on to the next objective, James. Yeah, salvage mission. Or savage mission uh, is most likely what we're going to see for a lot of these <laughs> Republic lists. Um... Uh, the but the Republic does get an advantage uh, when they can, when they can take the opportunity to take more than one salvage box um, without being threatened uh, with a big attack. Uh, also, Oddball having Selfless out there in the field can keep those crits off of his friends to help stop them from taking uh, those uh, crits to lose their crate. So keep an eye out for that if you are trying to uh, push only one crit through on your attacks and you uh, you have Oddball in arc, Oddball can take that crit uh, on one of his four shields or even take it on the hole if uh, you've already gotten him down a little bit uh, to prevent that box from being uh, jettisoned. Uh, however, uh, when a Republic list has to decide between picking up a box or having a, a uh, their big modifiers like focuses or uh, that lock with Padme, um, they do, it does bring down their firepower quite a bit. Uh, when a uh, if you can get a faster ship to uh, flank or get behind them uh, to pick uh, to pick up those objectives, it may not have as much. Uh, firepower to help out in taking down the arcs, uh, they can use that to a big advantage, or you can use that to a big advantage to uh, at least score some points while uh, you're dealing with the rest of that list. But uh, I think big takeaways is force them to either make a decision of, I'm going to pick up this crate, or I'm going to take uh, my, my offensive and defensive modifiers, or uh, just don't let them get free crates is the big thing. Like, don't let them just walk up and take crates and you not punish them for it. So, which means that, which usually means that you have to have a way to take your crates and still push out some damage or just focus on damage. 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to stop any less from picking up at least one crate because each person gets to place one crate on their side of the board. Mm-hmm. But the, the key is, like, if the Republic list is free to pick up two crates and you haven't challenged them on that second one to say, hey, if you're going to pick up this crate, you're going to take this damage or you're not going to have the firepower you want that I'm meeting you with. That's where the problem lies because then that gives them a free turn for not only another point, but that means next turn when they don't have to pick up the box, they're fully modded, defense and offense that they want, and they're ready to shoot you down, and you haven't tried to pressure them yet. And granted, there's a fine balance between, you know, correctly pressuring that that ship that's trying to pick up a box and accidentally ending up in all three of the arcs and Padme or whoever and getting shot to death anyway, even without the mod or even with one of them picking up a box because the ones that want to pick up the box are like Wolf and Jag because oddballs pulling the crits and Wolf and Jag can help generate, help, help each other generate at least a lock modded attack. Yeah, for sure. Marcel, uh, we got you back. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, is it? The internet's not being nice. No. It's on and off. Think it's going to be nice enough for you to do the scramble section? Uh, is that what we're on? Yeah, we're talking scramble. Buttons. All right, so first, uh, yeah, so with scramble, I'm going to go over what uh, Ryan wrote, because these are Ryan's notes, and then I'll give my two cents on it. So, uh, for advantage, he said, when the scramble points are closer together, allowing the Republic list to centralize its attack zone, uh, when Anakin isn't being threatened, uh, the, which Anakin? I'm assuming he's made any. the... Uh, oh, the, either. Um, any of them? Okay. Isn't being yeah. threatened when he goes in to claim a satellite, while multiple born for this ships are providing tokens for ships claiming... Uh, I think that's the biggest one, like the the fact that not just with this one, but also with Salvage, that especially the six ship version, um, they have so many ships that are throwing tokens around, and so many ships to be able to take those actions that uh, it's it's not a disadvantage for them at all. Like this scramble Salvage, everything except chance is just really good for for the Republic. Probably chance is the only one where they're at a disadvantage uh but for disadvantages when the scramble points are further away forcing the re- uh forcing the republic to split uh the exception to that rule is when they can are on the board they can handle a far off objective easily uh when there's less or no born for this backup for ships that want to claim the satellites um i actually don't think that that's a disadvantage uh, especially for the 7B Anakin. The 7B Anakin wants to... If you're going 7 points into that, that means you're giving up a 4 and a 3. Uh, if you're giving up a 4 and a 3 or a 5 and a 2 for that, you you probably need that gun. So you're probably... Um, you, you probably want that gun to be engaged. And if it's out chasing a... Again, if you if you if the opponent puts the... When when you're doing your own side, actually no, you only do it on the opponent, the other side, right? Yeah, you only there's only two additional points besides the center that goes out in scramble. You put one on your opponent's side, your opponent puts one on your side. Yeah, 
So if you if you put one, if if the opponent puts one all the way on your side, I think they're. I don't think they're gonna do that. But if they do, uh, the only thing that I can think about if they were in, if they were to do that is if they're playing against another republic ship and they want you to hang somebody back, or if they or you're playing against a list that wants to, you know, like like purposely. Uh, for for example, a four ship list that all four ships are meaningful, and you want to keep one of those four ships from playing. But um, yeah, if you're taking your seven B Anakin to go across the other board, across the other side to claim an objective or to press a button, that gun and that threat is not in the center of the board where it's 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 giving you the most value. So that's probably not where um your opponent's going to put it. But, um, yeah, as far as Scramble, I, th I think, you know, I, I'm sure you guys covered it. It's just with all the token sharing, with all the health, with just the sheer number of ships, you're, and the um, amount of natural rerolls that you can get from, especially with the three arcs, uh, passing each other, giving each other tokens. Um, yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot of disadvantage. Maybe if anything, the disadvantage comes if you're playing, um, the, uh, lower initiatives and if, if you're playing something like the 5FO or one of these other facts, one of these other lists that have four or five initiative fives then you do have the ability to press the buttons after them. So I think that's a disadvantage, is just the low initiative of pressing the button first and giving the opponent the ability to just go and reclaim it and just get up on the um, on the mission objectives early by by simply just moving after you and, and doing that. So that's one of the benefits just for the higher initiatives. And most of the time, the Republic will have a number of threes or a number of fours that, uh, let's say, you know, the the FO is a good list that has four or five initiative fives that'll be playing together. Um, that can press that button after you and then reposition after they they press it or just be in a good spot to probably survive. I don't know. That's my two cents. Somebody else talk. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, that's the majority of our scenario section of that, unless James or Willie have anything else to add. Take that as a no. It's silence. No. It's uh, it's very difficult. The um, the what do I want to say? There, I feel like a lot of these scenarios um assault uh not so much chance i don't know it's never a chance <laughs> but but like salvage and assault these lists uh, for the republic have very rigid flight patterns uh, the arcs they very rarely can do something fancy occasionally you'll see them like hard three bear roll and then like hard two the next round uh, but most of the time, they're not trying to use up those R4Ps early. Uh, and Wolf doesn't even have one if he is born for this. 
So when you can see their deployment, it, it very much shows you what objectives they can even get to, uh, let alone the, the ones that they uh, want to do. So hopefully if you have um, some higher initiatives, uh, you can go out and look for those advantages in um, their deployment to get something that they might not be able to. Uh, something like they do ignore that objective you put way far in the back. Uh, that could give you uh, time to speed your fast ship up and scramble it instead. Uh, so that's the, I do think that's like one of the general overall weaknesses of the list, especially when it pertains to objectives, is that they're like turn one and turn zero is so uh, rigid. I keep uh, like, where, whereas a lot of ships, like you get a bunch of A-wings, they could boost, they could do all these things, double reposition, right, on your small bases. Uh, they can change up their deployment turn one and go and break off and do different things that they might not have wanted to do when they deployed. The arcs are going to do this. The arcs are going to do the the same thing that they deployed for. Uh, so that can try to help you understand what they're doing. It's less of a guessing game for them. If you see an arc lined up against a scramble uh, with a single torrent behind it, you know that one of them's going to rush in and grab it. There's not a lot of... Maybe, maybe the Anakins in the list could bring you a surprise, but these clones are not going to surprise you with their turn one and turn two maneuvers. Very deliberate most of the time on their deployment uh, and their their routes to those objectives in the first round. So that's hopefully something that uh, you can take advantage of. Uh, but that does kind of tie into... Uh, the, our, the rest of our stuff, Ryan, turn zero. What uh, other things can you do to gain an advantage in turn zero? Yeah, so now we're looking at sort of past the objective part of things um, into a ob obstacle placements, a really big one to combat a solid amount of public lists since they generally feature two to three arcs. What you want to do is you you want to crowd the middle of the board. We talked how we talked at nauseum how much like in assault in chance like arcs want to control the middle of the board front back arc shots. They want to take multiple shots as many as possible. They want to exist and build. They want to bully you out of it. Well, the best thing to do is to put a bunch of obstacles there that restrict their movement in the middle and make them way more predictable to figure out. Um, so as an example, I th I found one of the best obstacle placements for me is basically a triangle where the point of that triangle is pointing at my opponent's deployment zone being the opponent being the arc player so that when they're coming in on on either uh corner side because normally most lists will deploy in one of the two corners in a grouping together and they'll approach the middle on like an angle normally like going straight and then doing like a three bank or something like that or some variety of that well, they're they're going to be running into uh, a wedge type of wall of, of obstacles where the point of it's in the middle to make sure arcs can't approach middle collectively. But they also have a little difficulty approaching from the corners. So it doesn't. Uh, we have a picture up on the live 
uh, stream right now. This, I assume, may be something we can add to our description of the podcasts uh, on the sites that, that are hosting them. Uh, but it doesn't need to be this rigid. Um, it can be a little bit tighter. It can be a little bit closer to the middle, where maybe the mi- maybe the two rocks on either side of middle of the middle objective is exactly lined up, or it's closer to their deployment a little bit. But generally, this is about where I put things, where the two side rocks that are forming the base of the triangle are at about range three of the board edge, like the edge of their rock, and the rest of the rock is in the middle more. And then um, the the point of the triangle is also at range three from their deployment zone. And uh, usually having the space between every rock, or at least the wedge of that, be about one and a half-ish distance from each other, where two rocks clearly, or two arcs clearly can't fit in a lane of them. And even one may be, uh, it will, one will fit, but, Maybe not all your maneuvers are available to you, depending on where you start in your position. Do any of you guys have, I mean, James, from your perspective, as an arc player, if you see something like this set up this way across from you, how are you approaching it? Or what are some of the difficulties that you know or or how to, what does this pause in your mind when you're deploying after seeing this in the middle of the board? Uh, that means that I will generally uh, go heavy one side and try to come in uh, and have one of the arcs come, like the inner arc come through the the rock between those, uh, between like the closer to me rock and like the center rock and uh, one of the other ones to where uh, I'm having my first arc cut in to- in there and the other one's going faster cutting in around it as quickly as possible. Uh, but that does mean that I have to slow down and use those R4P charges early on, like three hards and four straights. Uh, so if you do either way, it it forces the uh, arcs to either use resources they don't want to have to use, or uh, you know come through the rocks, which either way is good for you. Uh, but generally, I just go to the outside of them if if that happens, and then I'll see if I can uh, finagle a big round one engagement or a big first engagement. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 basically forcing you to have to go fast to get to the middle, right? Because I'm assuming you the rocks you would put down as the Republic player if you're featuring three arcs, maybe even two, but still a bunch of non-boosty really maneuverable ships is you're pushing all the other object, all the rocks that you get to place on your opponent's deployment edge, right? Or, or the, the closest rock edge to their deployment. Is that where you would normally put them? Or next, like in my corners. Uh, because if I put them in my corners, then that means they can't put stuff in that corner as well, which means that I at least have some open area right there. Uh, but yeah, gotcha. you're, so, you're, so you're, you're burying them in your own corner to restrict maybe some flanks and also just clearly clear out as much of a space as possible that you'll mm-hmm. eventually get to. Yeah, to have little donuts of, you know, guaranteed free space that where where I can take uh, either take an arc or take a, a fast ship. I I like dumping them on my side because that leaves me open with more opportunities to 4K because that is the worst. I, thing is when you want a 4k and there's a big rock in front of you 
because you you dumped it on their side and it's now in your way of your 4k that's just my take on it i i hate having to 4k and like there's not there's not room to do it Uh, that is Arthur, true. what about your perspective as yeah. someone who's been playing the 7B Anakin um, that might see this? I mean, so most of the 7B Anakin lists we've seen with two arcs. So imagine you're playing two arcs. Uh, does this type of rock formation make you happy? Does it make you maybe a little discomfort, but uh, definitely better than a triple arc player? Like, where, where are you? Where are you? What are your views when you see someone place a triangle in the middle against you? Um. Yeah, anytime that I have more than than one medium base, it, I, you know, it, it it makes you look at the angles and and just have a second thought about how you're going to deploy because you just want to, uh, for the most part, you want to have the option to keep them together, and when they when they are able to put the objectives in the center, then you know you're going to have to either like eyeball it so that you're coming right between um you know two of those and then the other one right outside but you still want to be at close enough range especially with oddball to be able to pull that crit um if you need to and in a lot of situations i i may end up just um splitting the arcs up and not flying them together and just try to converge in the center, at, you know, like turn two or three. Uh, but of course, that's a that's a risk because you end up maybe isolating one of them that they can pick off when when it's by itself. So it's a good formation, and and I wouldn't say this just um, just only for arcs. If you're if you're flying multiple big bases or medium bases, this is generally what you want to do. Uh, the only thing that I would probably change or you might be forced to change from your little triangle that you have there is the um the the horizontal bar or you know the they they may not be like lined up to like this because you place one then they place one then you place one but i think more than anything you just want to be, make sure that you you're you're taking advantage of your range one template to put them close enough together to where uh, they have to be really good with their maneuvering so they can go ahead and, and place that. The other part that I'm going to say is you want to make sure that you throw your... Uh, when you're doing that, you want to make sure that you reach for the not gas clouds to do this because ga uh, they generally don't care about gas clouds. So if you put a gas cloud there, they're like, oh, I get a freebie. I get to, you know, this, this is a free space as long as I can shoot past, especially like, you know, throw Jag in front of there where Jag is initiative three. And you know you're going to move first and nobody's going to block you on top of that rock. At that point, you don't really care. So if you're going to do that, make sure that you take, the especially the center one, that you take something that's not a gas cloud to put there. So you put the, the debris is the best uh, because while a... An asteroid might give them double, double, um, double damage. 
the stress is probably going to be more because that if they're if they have to fly through it, you know, they're not going to be able to take the focus to pass it off to other people or take it themselves or claim the objective. Um, so playing against the Republic, I would say debris is the best. Asteroids are second best. Gas clouds, you're just giving them free space to fly over stuff with almost no consequence. Yeah, the only major consequence you can get from that is because you're getting strained. If it's a ship that's oddball or a torrent that wants to born for this, a strained ship that has born for this cannot born for this a token because it's strained. It has to be yeah. unstrained to be able to share a token. But they can claim an objective because even if they roll a hit, they're probably not ionized. Assuming it's an arc that goes through, yes. It's only on the Yes, yes. It's most, and, and this whole time I was talking about arcs. Like, you're not going to... People are not going to put their small base ships through them or try not to, but the arcs is really what you want to want to disrupt. And um, gas clouds, you know, they they laugh at them for the most part. Sure. So bring, some, bring some debris, preferably. I think in most situations, um, if you're not flying... Something that takes advantage of gas clouds, then bring debris because debris is may not put out the most damage, but it puts out the most control and it puts out the most uh, consequence. Yeah, my only hesitation on debris right now is the chopper engine upgrade Han Han Solos can very much handle debris really easily. So and uh, they just fly right through them and not care. Yeah, so I, I tend to favor rocks. big rocks for me personally, but so overall, no matter what type the arcs and the Republic list may not like, you should still likely be bringing obstacles that benefit your list or don't hurt your list more. Like it's probably better to focus on your list and what you bring with what you bring with it. Cause you get to pick three obstacles to put on the board. Make sure those don't hurt you as much as they would hurt a, a potential opponent. Uh, so, unless James or Marcel, if you have any other uh, rock formations that have given you discomfort in the past for Republic, or will, if you know you've had a game in the past that you found oh. a good rock formation that you're like, yeah, like this, this worked great against my Republic opponent, other than just like an average triangle or just generally crowding the middle. Um, the uh, I'll say that uh, when um, Doug was on. And when we were watching him at the Las Vegas Open, he had a very similar thing to this, but the third one would create a an almost wall, a line of obstacles, uh, range one from each other. And that, it, similar in theory, but that diagonal line, uh, again, makes it so the Osarks have to be so deliberate in which lanes they're taking. It's hard to bounce from one lane to another, when there's a large rock kind of splitting them and it, it forces them uh, to, if, if you do those tight things, you'll force the arcs to have to almost go in a column then through these lanes. And that's an easier way to limit their movement and be able to recognize where their blade plan on being the following rounds. So same thing, just keep 
uh, no matter what you do, keep those obstacles tight. Uh, keep them as close together as you can, and hopefully that's not a disadvantage to your own list. All sounds good. I think the final thing we have, uh, besides any other things we might come up with at the end, but target priority. Right? When we go up against these lists, what should we be focusing on shooting first? What what needs to be brought down? What is the, the most dangerous thing against an average list? And uh, personally, to me, uh, I think if you're facing a triple arc in any in any version, Jag has to go. Jag is the just Pava of Republic. It's the thing that can shoot last and can output the most damage because the lock that he can grab, be focused, and just fully modded shot going into an opposing ship. It can drive Wolf with Wolf Pack as well. And because Jag is I3, even though you have Selfless on Oddball to pull some damage and maybe some token sharing from Suborn for this. If you focus fire correctly and uh, just haul off as much damage into Jag as you can, Jag might only shoot once in an entire game. He gets to shoot the first engagement, and because he's I3, there's a solid chance he could be in it killed. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's too dangerous to leave on the board for too long. He does a ton of damage. Um, if not triple arc, kill the other arcs. Kill wolf, kill or oddball, whatever presents itself more. Ideally, wolf, because wolf does do more damage than oddball generally over the course of a game. Besides the turns, oddball gets to bump into an enemy ship and take a lock on someone he didn't bump at range one, as an example. Uh, but generally, it's it's take the take the arcs out. They are they are the consistent three die guns that get to exist on the board. Uh, after that, if Torrents are in the list, they're a reasonable mid to late game target that is only six health on two agility and it's all hull. Uh, I know, and we, we, we've played enough TIE Bombers to know that defensive profile is basically the same, other than born for this health from other ships. And leaving the Torrents alone in the back to just provide evades or launch Diamond Boron missiles or Barrage rockets, probably not a good plan if you can just move on to them after the arcs. And then uh, if you have a turreted ship or an opposing I-6 ship uh, or ships, uh, you can scare Anakin, either 7B or SOC, a little bit. Uh, whether it's the health profile of the 7B where it's, you know, three shields, three hull, two agility, he can take damage. Uh, just know that if the 7B version or the SOC version uh have R2-D2, the SC version, automatically has R2-D2, but if the 7B also has R2-D2 Astromech, you have to be aware that if you don't threaten uh, Anakin with lethal amounts of firepower to destroy him, he has a really good way of escaping and regenning some health back. So Always keep that in mind, too, that if you're committing to shooting an Anakin, that either the damage is going to... Uh, the damage is going to stick as long as it's more than one. But you need to know that in future turns that you could follow up with enough damage to compensate for regen health. Uh, other experiences from you guys, I mean, that's just my notes as to what my target parties would be. Um, you guys also play different lists. Like, my list I commonly play is like 
uh, five ship resistance or rack three bombers and, and a thing, right? Like those things are just upfront firepower that can bring things down. That's different than what, let's say, like Marcel's doing or other lists that Will, uh, you may have done, or James, you know, what you're trying out is do your, how do your target parties change with lists that you bring? Uh, I, I think the, uh, the difference is, do you have enough speed to perhaps normally arcs start at the corner and they swoop in down the neutral edge and turn into the middle. If you're fast enough, you could potentially fly past them into like the hourglass, especially if you force those rocks where they can't turn in as effectively. Then you might be looking at picking off of some of those other ships before you turn in on those arcs. But that is more difficult. You're really going to have to have uh, a fast turn one. We're talking like an I-5 Dirge, a Kylo Ren of any kind, something that can... Uh, a Boy Luke as well, with that attack speed, uh, can grab a, a loose torrent... Uh, that was not involved in that kind of initial arc line. But that that's still very difficult uh, to try to prioritize anything other than that. Uh, anything other than, like, basically the lead arc, whether it's Wolf or Jag. Um, I, I think I tried to take out Wolf, but only because I've been running almost exclusively, like, I-5s. Like, the... Uh, if that average of your initiative if you have a couple of fours uh in your squad say you run like t70s or something uh then you almost have to have jack which i 100 percent agree like and republic players should recognize that and maybe figure out a way to protect him uh so that that all makes sense to me here's a question though for you let me bounce it back to you ryan when do we go after padme yeah three arcs padme when is the appropriate time to prioritize um, her? So, throughout an entire game, after you've killed all three arcs, probably, <laughs> to be quite honest. But Fair. there are those niche game state situations where either Padme's out of range of born for this, right? Or some or an arc is already born for this to someone else like you need like it, most of the situations end up happening when when it's like the the messy part of the scrum when things are just bumping into each other range zero attacks are more common or maybe padme did a move and just accidentally landed it in front of a bunch of stuff or some of the stuff that was trying to get to arcs bumped into an arc but padme ended up there so padme's there to shoot right um now normally range zero on an arc is still viable shot but Maybe you have two or three uh, very reasonable shots to put in Padme, and there is no born for this help. She or she and or she doesn't have the evade. Like, yes, there are situations you can shoot a Padme, but at least on the terms of my target priority board, she is after all of the arcs. Because I I feel you weather the storm of her torrents, mitigate it as much as you can by either positioning, making her split fire, maybe her intended target she doesn't have. Versus what the arcs can shoot. Um, and just... Because once those torps are gone, like she's there to go run and get objectives because her firepower is just nil, basically, after the torps. True. 
That makes a lot of sense. I do think that you have to. Um, well, it depends on your list again. It, may, it it depends on how fast uh, your list is. Uh, but if you're flying, you know, a uh, you uh, you flew Kylo, for example. If you're, if you're flying Kylo, if you've got if you've got a fast ship, especially a fast ship that can hit hard, uh, a Vader, whether it's the Defender Vader or the Boy Vader, Kylo. Uh, or any of these big ships, I think there's, in in most situations, you are able to spook um, Padme. I, I think most players, I'm not gonna say all, but I'm, I'm I, I think most play most players have a perception that once Padme gets pointed at out of arc, Padme disappears. And in a lot of situations, Padme does disappear after like two rounds of fire. If you if you're able to pick somebody that does real consistent output, uh, you know, two turns in a row with eight dice, like it, it Padme can disappear. Uh, passing focuses to her doesn't matter when she, you know, rolls one or two blanks. Um, so I do think that if you have a fast enough ship that can kind of corral. Padme, that doesn't mean you have to kill Padme, but Padme is easy to get spooked, and then it makes the opponent kind of um, not put Padme, not let Padme do what he wants to do, which is basically um, soak up damage or point the arc to where the arcs, point her arc to where the arc 170s are pointing at to shoot to kind of lower the damage output that they're receiving and, and maximize the damage that they're putting out. So if, you know, there's been many situations, I'm not going to say many, but there's been plenty of situations where I shoot my fast ship, whether it's Anakin or some other fast ship, across the board, like five forward, boost, barrel roll, then five forward again, just to let... Padme point and shoot actually get a torpedo off but at that point Padme is looking over there and the arcs are not getting the support from it anymore um, so anyway cause, because in most situations a 2 or 3 agility ship with 4 health or with you know 3 agility ship with 3 health they, they can it, it sucks but you can tank a single modded um, proton torpedo most of the time like you'll you'll lose one or two shields on average. Like it, it's not that it, it's scarier than it sounds. James. Uh yeah, I think Aunt Padme is just almost all the time a trap to shoot early because that single mount of proton torpedo is never gonna do four hits. And if it does, he spiked, you know. <clears throat> and uh, even uh, if they do manage to get both of the proton torpedoes off, which is uh, usually unlikely to get both of them off in a con in one game, uh, it it's not, it's really not going to do that as much uh, as much of an impact as the three arcs on the table are. So, uh, and those three arcs don't have. Uh, two agility and a V token, and uh, you know two or three born for this. So 
uh, I think definitely taking out the arcs first, and once once you've dealt with that, you can uh, start taking a look at Padme. Makes sense to me. Well, anything else on the Republic side that we wanted to go over tonight? Because I think that, that's all I had noted, but if there's other parts to this puzzle we wanted to fill in to help uh, any one of our, anyone in all of our community uh, go up against and plan and prep for public, average, or common ship archetypes. Any other side notes? Uh, I could ask you guys... Um... So we've been thinking of like silver bullets for whatever it's on or rack or whatever it, the case may be. Uh, is there a silver bullet upgrade that you could throw into your list that could help you against these arcs? I know uh, mag pulses have been really helpful for me, but against the arcs, you really can only mitigate so much and a singular damage that crit better be underneath the shields right for it to be extremely effective is there uh some sort of upgrade or cards uh, that we should be well, i guess all upgrades are cards <laughs> i was gonna say up upgrades are pilots uh that we could be looking for uh to help your squad get over some of the challenges uh, that the the arcs and the Republican bring. Uh, plasma torpedoes with their extra oh, sure. uh, shield effect, uh, and not having to deal that only, only having to deal two hits to get the extra shield effect are mm -hmm. very great budget proton torpedoes uh, that can't be selfless. True. Um, or unlikely to be selfless because you have to roll a natural crit. So uh, those are great. Um, I would say also uh, proton cannon and heavy laser cannon are really, uh, really great ways to uh, pump out some extra damage that, um, as we saw at LVO, if you're able to make the arcs come through a very specific lane, uh, like Doug was able to consistently with those... Uh, uh, with his FO, if you can force them to come through a specific lane and line up that heavy laser cannon, even on a ridiculous ship like, uh, oh, what was it? It's Lieutenant uh, Gaelic. Gaelic. At, even on most at, ridiculously not great ship as Lieutenant Gaelic. So, small small aside, James. <laughs> 3.95. How is that not a great ship? 3.95 yeah. with a four eye bullseye. Yeah, want, but it, it comes out with a two give you a, one, one small aside. In the four games that I played, over the weekend, I shot a total of six heavy laser cannons. Oh, I know. It's it's great. <laughs> One of them was even it... was the the proud uh, sloop into oh, a heavy wow. laser as well. Yeah, proud sloop. Oof. Yeah, so it's I, it's, I, I, it's viable. I, you could do I, it. I know. I think it, I, I'm I'm not talking bad. I'm talking good <laughs> on it. I'm talking. I'm talking no, good you, on you it. Lit you literally said a not good show. <laughs> well, like 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 With initiative five, but with a Fortnite bullseye. Gaelic like, might not be the best person yeah. for it, but yeah. the T seventies well, things like that, things that yeah. normally could equip oh, it. Oh yeah, especially like like Snap or somebody that can also get uh, 
like any kind of mods on those heavy laser cannons as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like where you, if you can double mod it, uh, is even better. So, uh, yeah, any kind of like bullseye weapons that are normally harder to line up, uh, those arcs with those medium bases and uh, predictable flight patterns, maybe a little bit easier to line up. Mm-hmm. I guess we throw a rocket in there too, though. Uh, we could throw Procket in there. Sure. Uh, it's in the same line of you, thinking. It, it is the same line of thinking. Uh, it may be a little bit harder to land the Procket just because it's one to two. Um, sure. But, Put it on Rhymer. Yeah! Range three! <laughs> Let's go! Uh, does it, I thought it was only the... the uh, nope, no, doesn't care. Missile Primark. or torpedo. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. Procket on Rhymer can be zero to three. Yeah, zero to three. Let's uh, go. Yeah. Because it's a secondary weapon, wow. you can actually mod it at zero two. Yeah, yeah. Spend, spending that focus uh, on on five dice range zero. That's a blocker. With, uh, that rhymer is a with, blocker. With like Jonas Jonas rerolls. Nah, you don't need it. <laughs> nah. Just, just uh, uh, easy. Or have ruthless. That's also good too. Helpful. Oh, helpful. Yeah. Uh, no set salvo though. Sadly, boo. No set salvo. Uh, uh, Ryan, Marcel, got any other silver bullet upgrades that we could throw into our squads to help out? Maybe not silver bullets, but something that might help out mitigate uh, the challenges. I'll let Marcel go first because I have sort of a roundabout closure way in this section here. Perfect. Um, no, I, I, as far as cards go, I don't, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, beef. Just maybe just in list building, not necessarily in specific upgrade building, but just list building. Know that you're going to be facing this. So um, you know, I think Ryan mentioned that earlier that you want to make sure that if if your that your list has the potential to be able to kill an arc in one or two rounds. Um, if if it doesn't, then you better have like something else up your sleeve to where you you know you're not going to be the one that's go, you know getting nuked because they have the potential to kill you in one round so if you're not able to kill them in one or two rounds then you have to have something up your sleeve to where you know you you, you understand that you're going to be at a deficit and you're playing some other game um which again, it it it's possible. You you can play a different game, you know. You can play a arc dodging other game that you're doing objectives and doing other things. But um, yeah. So so T70s are are good against it, not just because of the heavy laser cannon, but because you know they seven health with two agility versus nine health with one agility. Um, you know the the variants can end up in your favor and then you know you're putting out you know you're losing a shield per shot and they're losing they're losing three shields per shot or something like that but um yeah nothing specific practice practice i think that's the the main one if you haven't played if you haven't played against arcs a lot by now then um then i don't know what game you've been playing <laughs> Some, something wholesome. So <laughs> yeah, like I don't know what you've been doing. I know, I know. Uh, I think it was Zutano said that they played a, a tournament that had no arcs in it. What a world! 
What a world is beyond. Stark contrast from the last tournament I played at Crossroads, where like I played Republic four out of my five games. Yeah, what was the LVO like? Six out of the top eight were Republic. Six out of the top yeah, eight. Yeah. yeah. Cut, cut was filled. But LVO. there was only like, like less than ten percent of the field was Republic, though. Well, six out of the top six out of eight republic made the cut and six out of eight republic were in the top eight or something like that like it was a weird number but yeah a lot of republic so if you haven't flown re against republic by now uh you are in a hole somewhere uh get out go, of your hole get your and reps. Go play, yeah go play against them so uh this is i don't you got to be careful i'll say when we're talking about the tech or or light silver bullet aspect i agree it's good to highlight these so that if you already planned on bringing these in your list you need to take advantage of them if you have hlc on snap you should be trying to line that up against the arcs even if it means closing your foils boot you know do snaps boost barrel roll focus r68 gets you rerolls plus the focus on the on the shot with hlc bam there you go if you have if you have malrus with mag pulse make sure you take advantage of that mag pulse in a in, in as best of ways you can to mitigate the damage incoming to you while not just putting mouse in front of everyone and expecting her to live when you take a lock and not an evade like she can still die um when you have uh jam stuff like wylo on still on fon like to get to backline some of those like wylo's got speed he can go back and backline some of those torrents while getting rid of their evades and start shipping those away and then curve back in on the arcs. Um, you have, uh, you know, overbearing crit mechanics where you have Boy Vader who could have marksmanship plus advanced targeting computer plus just rolling four dice sometimes. To just You throw so many crits at something that just one selfless isn't going to help all the hull that's on an arc as an example. So uh, it's good to highlight some of these things, but I don't think you should ever because as a reminder based upon the numbers we've seen about how popular republic is in all its forms you might see republic just once or twice in 10 rounds of swiss so should you be bringing stuff specifically to tech against them probably not but you should know how to use your tools that you have available to you and which ones are going to give you the advantage when you face them True, very true. Uh, similar with if like, you make uh, it into the cut, you'll see them. So you may only well, see them once or twice in Swiss. You'll see them when you it matters. See, you'll <laughs> see them in the cut. So if you're getting deep into the cut, you'll see them. Because can't tell if that's Marcel betting on the the recent trends or just betting on himself or both. No, uh, both. I am not sure that I'm I'm flying Republic. Actually, I'm waiting for Endor because I I think Endor is going to have some nice toys. But um, okay. But. But yeah, I, I there's going to be just history says that there will be arcs in the cut. You will see them in the cut, and not only in the cut, you will see them in the round seven, eight, nine, or how many rounds are there? Ten total. Yeah, you'll Ten see rounds. them in those. Ten rounds of Swiss. Yeah, you'll see them in those um, battle rounds. You know, seven, eight, nine, ten. You, you're gonna see that they're they're going to be there. So pre yeah. prepare for them. I mean, we talked about it. I think one of the biggest advantages 
that a lot of the triple arc lists have. And even especially in the six chip versions, which are getting a little more highlighted. I don't know if it's technically popular because they are just performing well in qualifiers and in large populated sort championships. Um, they are pretty good across almost every single scenario except chance because they share tokens, because there's three, two to three medium base ships for assault, because they have selfless uh, for the crate pickups, and they have extra bodies to hang back and pick up a crate, right, while the arcs go shoot stuff. Like, they're, they're, not, they're not weak in more than one objective. And even, it's not like they have a bad time at chance. It's not great for them because they can't score extra points with their objective control that they have, but they can still bully you pretty hard if you show up in the middle with them. Very true. Very true. Uh, well, any closing thoughts on uh, Republic? Anything we might have missed? I don't think so. I, I would put it out to... Uh, as we do these uh, sort of comb-overs of these factions and archetypes, uh, it would be good to hear from the community and the respond to GSP section of our Discord is to share your experiences of what's been successful with you against ARCs or what things maybe you disagree with and just see how the discussion rolls around because we surely don't have all the answers, but we think we formulated some good guidelines. Very true. Uh, plus, like I said, we plan on... Uh, let's just lock in FO next week. Uh, so if you have any uh, questions about facing FO, you're like, these things are jamming the heck out of me. Uh, definitely throw those questions in there too. Maybe we can answer them with directly. Uh, give us a, uh, a, a feel for uh, how... Uh, you guys as players are reacting to these different factions. Uh, but uh, all uh, good things on the Discord, on uh, the discussion there. We try to keep it optimistic uh, and positive, uh, as I think everyone's pretty excited for Worlds going in, seeing everybody. Especially the international community. Oh, we never get a chance to see them. Uh, and... It really shows their dedication. I don't know how they get the wife points to be like, we're traveling across the world for a whole week. Uh, but somehow, they're so dedicated that they come out. Uh, and that's very exciting. We're we're here spoiled. James, you're coming from Utah, but we're spoiled here in the Midwest that we don't have to, don't have to travel as far uh, for these major events like Worlds. So, very exciting stuff. Uh, we do have like some channels about the 2024 Adepticon too. If you got any questions, if you got, if you want to meet up, get some pizza, some Giradanos, uh, that's uh, something you can post in there too. Really love to see that community engagement, especially if you're traveling, you didn't bring a squad mate or something with you, and you're looking for people to hang out with. Uh, there's resources there as well. Now, uh, uh, anything else uh, to end the discussion with? 
for tonight? Okay. I'm all good. I guess it's uh, Supreme Leader time next week. Yeah, we'll be talking Kylo. Which version of Kylo is the scariest? It's probably the Whisper, but uh, the Silencer is troublesome, <laughs> to say to say oh. the least. <laughs> Spoiler alert to me, scariest the Silencer. More popular is yeah. the Whisper version. Uh, yeah, there was a game or two, uh, I think it happened in two games, uh, where the five forward uh, boost bear roll and then instinctive aimed a torp into something, turned one. They didn't see it coming. Uh, <laughs> so very, very scary. Uh, we'll have to uh, hold off on that discussion till next week. But yeah, stay tuned. We're going to be going through those other factions, FO and Resistance. We're probably going to group Scum and Separatists together. So I'm not sure how much we could talk about that. But maybe we'll find some resources in there. Uh, so definitely stay tuned. Of course, everyone's going to be waiting. Uh, I believe it's the 23rd, February 23rd, is the That's street the date. Says. Okay, we'll be pressing that F5 refresh, try to see what those points drop. Uh, very, We'll be very excited uh, to see. Wild, wild guesses. We'll, we'll end on a wild guess for... The I six defender is that Jenden or your? I forget which one. Jenden. Wild guess in terms of what? What's their point cost? Where are they dropping at? Well, I'm gonna I go. Six. I'm gonna go a solid eight points. One point less seven. than uh, defender Vader. I say they keep them seven with Rexler and the rest of them. Okay, it's as good as a full throttle defender. Okay. Wild speculations, Ryan. Mar uh, he, he doesn't. He doesn't get the pre evades, right? No, no, he does not. Okay, I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna say point six. They keep. Whoa. Okay, bold Pretty claim. Are gonna lock in all that yet? So I'm gonna say six. Man, you gonna let get... me have him at six and be able to put him next to Vader and then still have eight points? Yep. No. You got him. Uh, I hope not. Sounds like I suddenly <laughs> became an Empire player. <laughs> What's your wild guess, Ryan? Uh, I think your will be... I think your has a good chance to be six. Mine? Uh, I don't know about Jenden, though. <laughs> Jenden seems like a seven range. Not eight. Eight's like... No, eight. Too high. Get him up here. You take like six <laughs> actions and you take... Four actions and two shots in a round. Get those points up. Uh, James, you get her weigh in? No. Seven. It, do not. Boo. Make this thing eight. Oh, <laughs> please. For the love, the love all, of all that is holy. No. Do not make it eight. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think you can still fit the, the other two. Do not, make it, do not make it six and do not make it eight. I'll be... I'll be less concerned if he's eight than if he's six, I think. Like, if he shows up at eight, whatever, I guess I don't play him. Maybe next time, buddy. But six, <laughs> it's like, huh, I got a squad painted for worlds that's not Empire. I guess I might not be flying that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of. 
At six, you could go. Uh, you could do Defender, X Wing, or X One, Vader, and then two bombers as well. And a, a, oh, another so ship. If, if it's if it's That's six crazy. points, right? You do six point Jenden, six point Vader. You're twelve. Twelve. You could do soon tier at five right now. The customer, Gross. not even knowing what the what the other one is going to be, and then um. And then a three point Tomax. Sounds terrifying. Ew. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll we'll be excited uh, when those points drop. I will do a lot of first impressions on it. So I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, that's, uh, like I said, after the uh, 23rd. Is that Tuesday? No, I'm looking at the wrong month, aren't I? That's a Friday. We only got one weekend uh, to test it. Then we'll be able to give you some first impressions on it. Other than that, I'm excited for Worlds. It's going to be the highlight of the year. Let me tell you. Very excited uh, to meet everybody again. Stop by the booth. If we don't have headphones on, come talk to us. Headphones on, though. Let let let, let the man cook. Uh, <laughs> anyways, let's get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for watching at home, listening. If you're on the uh, podcast, uh, from everybody here at Gold Squadron, stay safe, stay smart. Gold Squadron out. Thank you to ISO, Danko, Baffle, Trojan, Prophet, Shadow, Tycho, Spice, Raider, Lancer, Fallen, Row 6, 626, Chief, and J-List, our Grand Admiral Patrons. And all of our Gold Squadron patrons and community members, thank you for your support. Gold Squadron out.